I read them and I read through them several times looking for categories and I was pleasantly surprised when I read this because I read through it uh, once, maybe twice, and as I was reading through the chapter, uh, I immediately spotted the, uh, a very nicely laid out uh, set of categories. Uh, and, and I'll give it to you for the whole chapter. It's really clear. It's really cut and dry. Matter of fact, I'd encourage you to go back and read it and just kind of look at it yourself. But in verses 1 through 12, you'll find the word fool or folly is used 14 times in just those 12 verses. And so all 12 of those verses are talking very clearly uh, about a fool. And then verses 13 through 16, I actually underlined all those in my Bible in one color. And then uh, in, in verses 13 through 16, I used a different color. And I underlined the word slothful or sluggard. And you'll find that uh, verses 13 through 16 deal with laziness. Uh, verses 17 through 21 was a little more difficult. There's not a key word per se, but there is one key word that shows up a few times, and that would be strife or contention. And so we'll look at that later, obviously, uh, in this chapter. But 17 through 21 deals with uh, strife or contention or uh, issues that, that are going on there. And then verses 22 down through 28 uh, it speaks of words, and he starts right off in verse 22 with words, and then lips, and then uh, speaking, and then uh, just kind of that idea of how words are, are, very, um, are very powerful, and, uh, and so he, he finishes out that topic through the end of that, that verse. Now, all these verses are still kind of tend to be independent, uh, but at least they did put them all together in one section, uh, one area for us, at least in this chapter. So I found that interesting and very helpful. And so as we look at this, look at verse 1. We'll just start there, and then we'll have a word of prayer after we read that first verse. The Bible says in Proverbs 26, in verse number 1, As snow in summer and as rain in harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool. And so let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you'd use me. I, I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me as we look at your word. Father, we study the book of Proverbs and we look at this category of the fool. And uh, God, I pray that you'd help us and, and strengthen us as we look at this to uh, be weary and be uh, careful, Father, of foolish people. And God, obviously help us as well not to be foolish people, and we'll thank you for that. But God, I pray that you would uh, uh, even help us to guard our hearts and guard our lives from foolish people, and we'll, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at these verses, it is, uh, we're just going to go through verses 1 through 5 this evening, and I've entitled it, The Fool's Folly. Uh, the fool's folly, they all have to do specifically with the folly uh, of the fool. And uh, as we look at this first one, the Bible says, As snow in summer and as rain in harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool. Let me just define two words for you as we look at this. Honor uh, would be to esteem uh, due or paid to worth. High estimation, respect, consideration, reverence, uh, some, something that you would respect, something that you would look up to. So if you honor somebody, uh, they would be somebody that would be of high respect or great esteem. And the Bible is, of course, telling us, it's pretty clear in this verse, that honor is not seemly 
for a fool. In other words, a fool is not somebody that you would give honor to. Uh, and a fool, we'll define that again. I know we've defined it in the past, but it'd be good to, to define it again. The Bible states, or rather the dictionary says this, uh, a fool is a wicked or a depraved person, one who acts contrary to sound wisdom in his moral deportments. Or deportments. So somebody who basically goes against the Word of God. I like to use the Bible verse, Psalm 14 and verse number 1, uh, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And so somebody who would denounce the Bible and denounce the way of God and denounce the things of God and denounce the righteousness of God, in my mind, uh, is very clear that that would be a foolish person. Uh, somebody who goes contrary to the Word of God. Uh, I always think of that verse on April 1st. I don't know why. Fool's Day. Uh, I, I just always think of that verse, and I'm always, I, wanna, I, I always want to post that on social media uh, on April 1st because it's true. Uh, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. I was, I, I, I was thinking, I was reminded of this truth that... Um, what is, what is righteousness? We as a church, we as Christians, we know all righteousness comes from God. Uh, I was listening to, the, I listened to talk radio here and there, and, and as I was listening to it, they were, they, they were defining, well, what's good and what's bad, and what's right and what's wrong. And when you define what's right and what's wrong, absent of the Word of God, it boils down to what your opinion is and what my opinion is. And it becomes really a debate about opinions and because there's no final authority. For us as Christians, we adopt and we adhere to the Word of God as the final authority. And the reason that uh, murder is wrong is because God said it's wrong. Uh, the reason that these things are sin, that we could go through and name a bunch of things, is not because I say it's sin or uh, somebody else or uh, someone else says it. It's because God says these things are wrong. And so God defines what is wrong and what is right. And we need to understand uh, that, that anybody who would walk away from the Word of God and turn his back on the Word of God and denounce God and say, well, there is no God. Uh, or that, that Bible, that's just an old book, and, and it's not from God because God doesn't exist. That's foolish. And when you go down that road, the Bible says here in verse number 1, as snow in summer and as rain in harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool. In other words, he will not have uh, honor. And I put down uh, fool's admiration. In other words, he won't be admired. People won't look up to him uh, because uh, all in the end, he's the king. He has to be. Well, this is what I say, and he's got no other de definition of it. He's got no other final authority of it. And so uh, he, he has no admiration. And it's out of place. I was thinking about this today as I read this. I thought, it, well, it's odd that it snowed today. I thought, what, what an appropriate illustration for our, for our message. But uh, it is odd that it did snow today, but it's not out of abnormality. Uh, it has, I was looking up some records just out of curiosity, and it, it really depends on where you pull your records from and what precise location in, in Maslin or in Canton Air, Akron Airport or, uh, or where you pull your data. But 
it has, made, it has snowed all the way up into May in a few places, and up in Cleveland, definitely. I think it was May 11th was the last day, the latest snowfall they had. And so, uh, so it's not, uh, while it's odd, it's not impossible, and it's not even the first time that it would snow on April 21st. But I will tell you this, it has never snowed in July or August. Never. There's no records, no indication of ever having snowfall in the months of July and August. And, uh, and as the Bible says here, as snow in the summer. Uh, it's something that doesn't happen. It's something that does not exist. It's something that uh, is really an impossibility. It cannot happen. And, and in all the time that we've kept records, it has not happened. And as rain and harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool. And fools, uh, a fool's admiration does not exist. People don't look up to or admire a fool, and they don't honor a fool. Sometimes fools are given platforms, and sometimes fools speak, and sometimes fools have power and authority, but admi admiration? No. Honor? No. Because uh, they, 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 they ruin it for themselves uh, in, de in denying God and in denying a final authority, and they have no admiration. They have no honor, and the Bible is very clear and I think that verse is pretty simplistic and pretty easy for us to understand. And, um, and listen, we ought to understand, uh, don't admire a fool. Uh, recognize their, their foolishness. And that's pretty basic and that's pretty clear. Uh, but sometimes they can uh, tend to make themselves look good, but you recognize and understand, well, that's, it's all foolishness because they're going contrary to the Word of God. And they're not following the Word of God. Let's move on to verse number two. Verse number two is interesting. Um, look with me there. In verse number two, the Bible says, As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. Now that verse does not use the word fool or folly in it, uh, but I think the application, the implication is simply uh, that of a fool. I read that several times and... Uh, and I scratched my head over it, and I kind of uh, jotted some thoughts down on a paper on what I thought it meant after I read it several times. And, uh, and then I thought, wow, that's, that's a really difficult verse. And, uh, and, and I, I, so I started looking, and I thought, well, I wonder, what, uh, I wonder if I'm off on this. I wonder if I got this right, or if that's what other people uh, seem to think. And so I started looking up a, a few commentators. And oddly enough, most of the commentators skipped this verse. Could you imagine they would do that? They skipped it. And I know why, because it's kind of a complex verse. But I think I, I uh, hopefully I can help us understand it tonight uh, at least a little bit. And, and hopefully we'll uh, do justice to what this verse means. The Bible says here in verse number 2, As the bird by wandering, and as the swallow by flying... So the curse, causeless, shall not come. I want to focus on that last part because the first part is illustration. Just like the uh, first verse, the first part is an illustration. The last part gives us the, uh, the meaning. And the last part of the first verse is a little easier to understand, as well as the last part of the second verse is a little easier to understand as well. So the Bible says here in the second part, So the curse, causeless, 
shall not come. What is a curse? Uh, a curse means to uh, utter a wish of evil against one, to imprecate evil upon or call for mischief or injury to fall upon. Uh, it's not as we would suppose today when you, you, you hear the word curse, uh, we automatically think of swear words. We automatically think of foul language. We automatically think of those things. But in Bible times, uh, and certainly uh, even today it's even still used, a curse would be something that is uh, placed on somebody else. And by the way, uh, this, is not, uh, this is not outside of the scope of the Bible. We'll get, to the, we'll get to curses that are located in the Bible, and we'll talk about that. But what is a curse? A curse is simply uh, wishing evil on somebody else. And I put down here for this verse, uh, and the first one I put down, fool's admiration. And the second one I put down, fool's anathema. Anathema. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. A fool's anathema, and that simply means a curse or hatred uh, of the fool. And as we think about this verse, the Bible says the second part, so the curse causeless shall not come. That would be that a fool would curse somebody else. In other words, he would wish evil or perhaps even threaten evil uh, or perhaps even uh, cast a spell, if I could say it that way, uh, of some evil wishes upon somebody else. Uh, and that, doesn't, that is not far out of the scope of things. And, uh, and I, I equate it to this, a fool's curse is as fake as fool's gold. In other words, it may sound very intimidating. It may sound uh, just like fool's gold. You ever saw it? It shines just like gold. It sparkles just like gold. You can shine it all up and make it look just like gold, but I tell you what, it ain't worth anything because it ain't gold. Uh, and, and if you know how to test it, you can tell right away a fool's curse isn't worth anything. Now, where do we get that from? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, a fool has no authority to curse somebody else. Look with me back in, uh, in Genesis chapter number 3. And we'll look at a curse. You remember in Genesis chapter 3, of course, Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden. And, uh, and this is where we find the idea of a curse. In Genesis chapter number 3, you know the story how they, they did take and they ate of the fruit. And God came looking for them. And God has, has finally, uh, he's talking with them. And in Genesis chapter number 3, in verse number 14, the Bible says this, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. You read that verse and you realize and you recognize and understand, God cursed the serpent. Now let me ask you something. Does a serpent have legs? No. He doesn't. You know why? That's why right there. God cursed the serpent that he would crawl on his belly. And some uh, 6,000 years later, you know what? The serpent is still crawling on his belly. Uh, and down there in the dirt and in the dust, he's not elevated above that stuff. He's crawling in it. Look with me at verse number 16. We find this verse. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, 
and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. We find, uh, we find pain and sorrow in, char in childbirth. Uh, the idea there is that there would be pain in childbirth. Now, I have not had a child. Praise the Lord. That, my wife did, but I, didn't, I, did, I did not physically care the, carry the child or give birth to the child. And I'm grateful I don't have to worry about that. But it's painful. Uh, and, and we understand that. And you know what? That's part of the curse. Uh, could you imagine how marvelous it would be to give birth to a child and have no pain? That would be, man, that would be awesome. Uh, and so that is part of the curse. Look at the curse for the man in verse number 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt, or, uh, and unto dust shalt thou return. And so we find, uh, listen, those things still hold true today. I was just out in my garden uh, uh, Monday, I guess it was, maybe two, no, it was Monday. And, uh, and we had some weeds growing up. And you know what? If you go in your yard, I bet you can, unless you take better care of your yard, maybe you do. Um, but you can find thorny little things growing in your yard. And when you grab hold of those things to pull them out, you know what? They stick in your hand. They hurt. They're a pain. And, and we're talking about 6,000 years ago that God cursed the earth for the sake of man and for the sin of man, uh, that when he labored, uh, you know, that we would have to work through all this, uh, the idea of laboring on the ground and pulling weeds and, and growing our crops and things of that nature. And so what the point is and what the idea here is, is that God has the authority to curse something and it will stick. Man, and especially a fool who has no honor, has no authority to make a curse. He can curse you all he wants. He can say anything that he wants to say. It may sound very intimidating. It may sound like something that is scary. Uh, but listen to me. He has no authority to curse you because he's a fool. And so as we look at this verse, the Bible says here, as the bird, back in Proverbs 26 and verse number 2, as the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. In other words, he'll throw a curse at you, but it will have no effect. It will not matter. As the bird by wandering, in other words, uh, you don't really care about the bird and his wandering. It doesn't really have any effect on you if a bird lands in your yard. Uh, it doesn't really have any effect on you if a bird flies in front of you and you keep walking down the road or even riding a bicycle. You don't even give a second thought to that because it really means nothing to you. And he's saying that, hey, a curse from a foolish person without cause obviously would mean nothing to you as well. And as we think about a, not just that, the fact that a fool... Uh, and a fool's curse is absolutely a waste of time. I want you to understand this, that, uh, and we talked a little bit about it, that God does have the authority. And God's curses are not causeless. 
we looked at the idea, hey, God doesn't just run around and curse things uh, for the sake of cursing things. He curses things, uh, and this is kind of the other, uh, other side of it, because there is a cause. In other words, Adam and Eve did sin against God. They both ate of the fruit, and there was a reason for them to be cursed. God doesn't just run around and curse things because He desires to curse things. In other words, because we have sin in our life and when we mess something up, hey, there is a cause that we would be cursed. But if there is no cause, in other words, if we're doing right and if we're, we're trying to, uh, to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and we're conscientious of that, then there is no cause with which we would be cursed. And so either way that you look at that, you'll find that uh, the Bible says in the last part of that, so the curse causeless shall not come. And I put down there a fool's anathema. So we have a fool's admiration that is not existent, a fool's anathema or a fool's curse, uh, which also is, is really uh, has no effect on us because they, they don't have any authority with which to curse us. Uh, I read this, uh, or I, I heard this before, and yeah, you have to understand to an extent, we live in America, and, and we are, our culture has become a very scientific culture. When you read the Bible, the Bible was a very spiritual culture. Uh, the, the, the scientific culture says this, if you got sick, it's because you didn't wash your hands, you got germs, you, you got them in your body, and you became sick. That is the scientific culture. The spiritual culture, we'll, we'll use the example of Africa. Africa is a very spiritual culture. Science doesn't have anything to do with it. Uh, in their mind and in their culture, their idea is if you got sick, it's because the gods... Uh, you, you didn't obey one of the gods, and you got sick because you're wrong with one of the gods. You understand? That is a spiritual, it's not a right spiritual mindset, but is a spiritual ideology, where we live in a very scientific ideology. And to be honest with you, uh, we tend to look at all curses and say, well, they're non-existent. Well, they, you know, uh, if, somebody, uh, if somebody came to you with a voodoo doll and said, I'm going to curse you and blah, 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 and, and all this, you would probably laugh. You would probably think, well, that's a bunch of tomfoolery. Well, I don't believe any of that. And part of it is because our very scientific mindset, we're setting, setting aside Christianity, uh, even sometimes in the world, a lot of people, uh, they would look at that and they say, well, that's foolish. You know, that's not science. There's no science about that. There's nothing. Uh, we can't understand that. But the Bible does give us the idea, hey, that the, the, there is a merging of those two worlds. There's the balanced idea of spiritual mindset and the balanced idea of the scientific mindset merged into one mindset in that, listen, uh, God can curse things. Uh, you remember he promised to the nation of Israel, if you curse my people Israel, then you'll be cursed. If you bless my people Israel, then you'll be blessed. We're not talking about science. We're talking about God being in control and God saying, listen, when I say something, it's going to take place. And you don't have to understand all the science behind it. You have to understand that God is in control. 
and that God is authoritative. I was surprised how many times, and I just throw that out there because we live in a very scientific mindset, and everything has to be science, and, and, and God is totally excluded from the scientific set, if you understand what I'm saying. But the Bible is very clear. Matter of fact, I was surprised at how many times the word cursed is used throughout Scripture. Uh, I think it was some more than 90 times it showed up uh, in the Word of God. And certainly there is something to that. And when we read the, the, the Bible, we do need to understand and recognize, hey, that God is an authority, and He can curse, and He can bless. And so we need to understand that. So we have the fool's uh, anathema, which would be a curse, the fool's admiration, which does not exist. And I want you to notice in verse number 3, a fool's affliction. Look with me at verse number 3. It says, a whip for the horse, and a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the fool's back. Now, we kind of understand the idea of, uh, of a rod for the fool's back, uh, but I read this, I was reading a couple things, and, and this, and I want to share this with you, because this really helps us understand. We, would be in, we should be inclined to invert the words and say a bridle for the horse, and a whip for the ass. But it must be remembered that in early times, the horse was not ridden, but only driven. The animal used in riding were the ass and the mule, sometimes the camel. The eastern ass is really a fine animal, larger, more spirited, and more active than the poor creature that we are wont to see or to know. And that's true. Uh, you think about that. You think about all the Bible passages. Uh, you think about, I was just reading in my Bible here not too long ago, when Absalom rose up against David, and you know what? He was riding on a donkey. You find time, and uh, he, was, he was a kingly, he was of the king's family. You think, riding on a donkey? And to our mindset, we think, that's crazy. Donkeys aren't these, they aren't that great. But listen, in, in, their, uh, in the Middle East, donkeys were, were bigger. They were uh, more spirited, and they raised them different than horses. They didn't ride horses. They used horses to pull along, uh, to pull along wagons. And so that's why it says a bridle, uh, what's it say there? A whip for the horse and a bridle for the ass. Because that was the animal that they would ride more frequently. Think about this even. When Jesus was riding into Jerusalem uh, during, the, um, during his entry, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, what was he riding on? A donkey. And so we find that that was more of an animal to be ridden during Bible times and during that time. So we need to understand that. And so it says here, a whip for the horse. And uh, a whip... Uh, sometimes we would tend to think of a whip as punishment. Uh, but here, if you put it in context and you think of a horse that is driving a wagon, uh, a horse, when you whip it, it is to make it go faster. And as we equate that to a fool and the fool's affliction, uh, listen, a fool uh, is not very self-driven. In other words, man, you've got to stay on top of them and crack the whip. If you want a fool to get anything done, you've got to continually stay on top of him and be cracking a whip. Uh, and that's kind of the idea that the Bible is presenting. And then not only that, but as a bridle is placed in a donkey's mouth, uh, and, and as I explained that a donkey uh, was to be ridden in Bible times, and that is a fool is bound and determined to go the wrong way. However, a bridle forcibly turns the head of a donkey, causing him to walk in a different direction. 
And so uh, we know through studying scriptures now the first time that we've looked at the life of a fool. But the Bible says the last part of that verse, a rod for a fool's back. A fool doesn't reason very well. Matter of fact, a fool, you present him truth and he rejects it. And you give him uh, the word of God and you give him reason and he rejects it. But what he does react to is pain and punishment. That's what he reacts to. And we've seen that throughout the book of Proverbs several times uh, that has come up. And so uh, just understand that a a fool is, as the Bible says here, a rod for the fool's back. And that would be like a rod of punishment uh, that he would receive. Let's go on. So we have a fool's affliction, and that's about the only way to motivate a fool or uh, steer a fool is through pain or punishment or or to even correct a fool. Uh, Let's move on to verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5 go together. And these are interesting verses. Matter of fact, I always always chuckle when I read them. But the Bible says here in verse number 4, Answer not a fool according to his folly lest thou also be like unto him. And then verse 5, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. And so here you have, uh, I always like those verses because uh, whichever one's suited for the, for the occasion, um, I'll tell the person, well, answer not a fool according to his folly. And then if, if he did answer him, uh, or he didn't answer him according to his folly, I'll say, well, answer a fool according to his folly. And so you can go either way. You can uh, really, these verses, they go hand in hand. And you look at them and you say, wait a minute, what, what does that mean? And what is the meaning of it? And, and Proverbs oftentimes is giving uh, balance. He's giving one side and then he gives another side. And these verses right here, verses 4 and 5, he does just that. And I, want, I put down here a fool's attention. In other words, what kind of attention do you give to a fool? And, and I put down in verse number four, is reasoning with a fool. The Bible says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. In other words, a fool is going to reason through things and, and ignore the truth of the word of God. And if you delve into reasoning with him, the Bible says you'll become a fool just like him. In other words, he's dragging you down to his level and you're reasoning outside of Scripture and away from the authority of God and then it's all baseless and it becomes conjecture and it becomes opinion and it becomes unimportant because it's not based on the Word of God. And so reasoning with a fool uh, that has already rejected the ultimate authority and the ultimate Word of God and the fact that God exists becomes a problem and, uh, and it just drags you down to his level. Verse number 5, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceits. And that would be rebuke a, few, a fool. In other words, if you allow a fool to continue to reason and, and you uh, don't rebuke a fool and say, listen, that goes contrary to the Word of God, and that's just foolishness. And if you continue to deny that, deny God and to deny the Bible and to continue down the path of foolishness, then listen, uh, the Bible says, hey, there's no hope in that path. 
and, and to rebuke the fool. And, and so that he can have an opportunity. Now, it's doubtful that he will turn because a fool is going to rebuke or reject uh, the Scripture and a fool is going to, uh, as we defined it in the very beginning, a person that's depraved or acts contrary to sound wisdom and his moral deportment. But if you do answer a fool according to his folly, it needs re to be rebuked and not reason. Because you won't reason with a fool. You'll get nowhere. And, uh, and as we look at those two verses, verses five and, and verses 4 and verses 5, I think a wise man will know the difference between the two. And a wise person will know when to do that. And you say, well, man, that's, that's difficult. It is. Ask God to help you. Because you know what? Every case is going to be different. And every person is going to be different. And every situation is going to be different. And sometimes uh, you do have to answer a fool and say, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm, I am, man, I am backing away from that stuff. I don't want any part of that. But you don't want to jump into their reasoning. Well, why is it stupid? Well, it's stupid because God said it's stupid. I'm not going to do that. That's why it's stupid. And so it's a rebuke, it's not a reasoning, and it's an understanding saying, hey, I am following the Word of God, and I'm sticking to the Word of God, and I'm aparting from that stuff because I don't want to be foolish, and I don't want to go against the Word of God. And that would be a rebuke instead of a reasoning with a fool. And so uh, as we look at these first five verses, they deal very clearly with a fool's folly and some of the things that a fool uh, gets involved with. There's no honor. In other words, there's no admiration. Uh, admiration. Uh, the anathema in verse number two, or the, the, the curse, uh, that, that they have really no effect on us. And then the affliction in verse number three, the fool, a rod for the fool's back. And then verses four and five is the attention that we would give a fool, that we would be careful not to uh, get wrapped up in their foolish logic and in their foolish reasoning, but rather to rebuke it and stay away from it and say, hey, I'm not having any part of that folly, because that goes against the Word of God. And uh, we'll stop there for tonight. As, we, as you look down through verses 6 through 12, you'll find that it deals very much so with um, the punishment uh, or the affliction of a fool as you go down through there. And we'll look at that next week as we think about a fool, and we'll finish out that, that section in verses um, 6 through 12 there. And, uh, and hopefully that'll help you understand, hey, that, man, fools are, uh, stay away from fools. Don't be friends of fools. Rebuke a fool. Um, don't answer him according to his folly. Um, don't reason with him. Uh, but, but, hey, we need to be careful and recognize that fools uh, have rejected the word of God. They've rejected the authority of the word of God. And, and you constantly you have to bring them back to, hey, God's in control. There is a God, and, and He created everything, and He's ultimately the authority, and He's the one that's in charge. And a fool does not want to hear that. A fool does not want to submit himself to that authority. Uh, and so just so we're aware of that, and hopefully that's helpful uh, in some ways uh, to recognize a fool's folly and where he's headed with his life. All right, let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, even thank you for helping us understand the path of foolishness and how a fool has really rejected you.
and rejected your word and is walking contrary to what you want. God ultimately will reap what He has sown. God, we pray that You'd help us to, number one, not be foolish in our lives, but then two, God, not to be around fools. Help us to, God, have a burden to win the lost, yes, and to witness to lost people, yes, but help us to be aware of the foolish path that so many people are in. Many people are deceived. Help us just to be aware of that. We'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We'll just have a short hymn of invitation. A fool's Folly. It's destructive. It's sad, really, when you think about it, that somebody would reject the Word of God and reject the authority of God. I know how this world needs the Lord. All right. We'll bring our invitation to a close, and you can look this way. I just got a real quick announcement.